Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Monday FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined by JP Ong as usual. It's a beautiful day out there. Wouldn't is it really? You? It's it is. gloomy and bit rainy, I, I love it? that. Oh, I, wow. But then again, I love London. That's the inner so. grunge in you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my emo you're self. You're sure you're not a Mariners fan? It, it can't. Oh, <laughs> okay. that's below the belt. All right. All right. All right you know, and the Mariners are thinking of moving someplace sunnier. Ah. I'm just saying somewhere like Puerto Rico or something. I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of those... That's going to rip the heart out of Seattle. It's going to be like the Sonics leaving again. Anyway, what were we talking about this Tuesday? Oh, it's markets of some sort. <laughs> right, there sort. you go. Okay, <laughs> we've gone from Pike Market to the actual stock market, right? Absolutely. Okay, and uh, the reason we're, we decided to start with baseball also, because really, there's not much to talk about with regards markets, to movement at yeah. the moment. But it's more of that if things are flat. We are swinging between gains and losses this afternoon. And uh, practically flat at 3,179 points. Once again, value turnover looking just a little bit cautious today. It's, it's not negative or it's not zero. We're seeing about a 488 million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands. But it is a very cautious treading of water that is for markets here and across the region. As we know, still a lot of things to, to deal with heading into towards the end of the week. Those two policy decisions, the ECB and the Federal Reserve on Thursday, you have the UK general elections and also December 15, are we or are we not going to see tariffs levied by the US on China? There's some swinging on that as well. There is actually. And uh, this time we have heard from Wilbur, that's Wilbur Ross, the Commerce mm-hmm. Secretary. We have heard from Peter, that's the Peter Navarro, who's the, the trade advisor for the White House. Right. But we haven't really heard from Sonny. Sonny Perdue, that is. He's the Agriculture Secretary for the U.S. Mm-hmm. And as we know, one of the big battlefronts here is the fact that China has levy tariffs on U.S. agricultural goods, soybean, mm-hmm. pork. They have shown signs of being a little bit warm on, on these fronts, especially since China today indicated once again that their inflation figures actually came spiked once again in the month of November because of rising pork prices. There is incentive for them to actually buy pork. That said, according to Mr. Purdue, he has said that there is a deadline coming on December 15th. He's very much aware of that, of another tranche of tariffs. But he's told a conference in Indiana that he does not believe that these will be implemented and that we might actually see some backing away. In fact, White House economic advisor Larry Kudlow also said the talks are still ongoing and they're going around the clock. So basically they're saying, hey, look, we're still trying to get this deal forward. But some of the more supportive voices for a delay on tariffs have said that China actually needs to give a little bit more way or has to give them something to work with also. But that said, he, the agriculture secretary is also a prominent figure on the White House's cabinet. So these words might just give a little bit of hope for markets. I think right now, though, there's a bit of fatigue because as we see, everyone's just saying, yep, no dice, we're still going to be flat and all bets are off until, until Sunday as to whether or not we see this new round of tariffs coming on these agriculture goods. And as we speak, the Straits Times Index now up by one point, but that's coming from one point in the red. So again, this very, very tight swinging. We're going to be around these particular levels and treading water for a while. But hey, at least things haven't really fallen. Not that I'm asking or begging for trouble from the world, knock on wood. No, no, this would, it would be nice if we had a nice, you know, end to the year. Not anything quite as dramatic as the end to last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if things are kept to a, uh, even if we don't see the Santa Claus rally that some of the more optimistic folks in the markets are hoping for. You mean for. the king of wishful thinking. Yes, the, the king of wishful thinking, <laughs> as you, as, uh, very apt to, uh, why, now I know why you picked that song. 
even if we don't see that, if we can hold on to some of these gains, which have been whittled down to about 4% year to date, mm-hmm. I think it'll be seen as a big improvement from the fourth quarter of last year. And I think nobody's really rocking the boat. The Federal Reserve, no one's expecting them to change uh, tact anytime soon. There seems that they've gotten their messaging right now. It's taken about a year to figure out how to communicate what they're thinking. We have the ECB also holding their decision. We're going to see what they have in mind for 2020. But I don't think there's a lot of boat rocking at the moment. I think that's because there's just too much at stake this week. And uh, folks are going to wait for all of this to unravel before they actually come back into the markets. Well, yeah. And, you know, I, I wish there was baseball season because I'd rather be watching that than watching the markets not really move. Over thank, the God last it's, few days. thank God it's football season. So <laughs> both American and, uh, and actual. <laughs> we say. Hey, hey. Actual. <laughs> We're talking about association football now. Come on. So. Right. <laughs> oh, be that way. Now, this actually came as a surprise to me. Mind champs, I, I always would have thought that businesses that dealt with early education would really be quite proof to anything, you know, that they would be able to withstand any kind of uncertainty because no matter what happens, the kids need to learn. Mm-hmm. But Mindchamps is having a little bit of trouble. Aren't they? And uh, it was strange to see that their share prices fell by more than 20% on Monday, actually. It's one of the worst performing stocks. And it did prompt a query from the SGX as to whether or not they were aware of any pertinent information that might influence this unusual trading activity. And this time it was a decline in Mindchamp shares. Today, Mindchamp shares also down by about 5.2%. So far, so the the decline is continuing. My champs actually uh, addressed this also, and let me just bring this up. They they did say that they are still unaware of any possible explanation, which hasn't been previously enough by the company. This is basically their their long winded way of saying, "Hey, we don't really have a clue as to what's going on with the, with the unusual price movements." But keep in mind, last week, My Champs did announce that they were divesting of their center at Changi Business Park for about one million uh, Singapore dollars in cash to franchise the Yirong Education to operate. So they they've divested themselves of some of particular asset here also and they're expecting to continue operations following the completion of the transaction of Mindchamp's preschool at Changi Business Park also so we're not entirely sure what's what's going on with Mindchamp's we're hoping we can get get a little bit more uh, clarity but it is one of the more unusual stock movements out there and if i just pull up the week to day chart at the moment there you go that drop on monday that saw it fall by as much as 24% at one point it did recover a little bit to about 48 and a half cents but here we are again down to 46 so a bit of a roller coaster for my chaps something's going on i'm not entirely sure what is and if anybody has an as an idea ring us <laughs> Kids are on break. That happens all the time, right? I know. You know that, happens, that should have uh, absolutely no bearing on their It should have stock. no bearing at all on their stock. But it, it's fair to bring up what's going on with Mindchimes at the moment. And yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, maybe somebody will ring us and tell us. Yeah. Now, somebody should ring us and tell us why the CFO of Maple Tree Logistics Trust resigned. Oh, and there's another thing that's quite interesting and also quite timely because Maple Tree Logistics Trust is uh, joined the STI as the newest member of the Straits Times Index. They are going to be re- replacing a golden agri-resources. But while they're at it and while we're waiting for the shuffle to happen on December 23, Maple Tree Logistics will have to find someone to replace Ivan Lim, who is their chief financial officer. He has resigned and is stepping down on December 31. Now, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, their manager at least of Maple Tree Logistics Trust, has said that they have found a suitable replacement and they're going to make a further announcement once regulatory clearances are complete. So we actually saw Maple Tree Logistics uh, Trust close lower the other day. 
Today, we want to check in on how their share prices are doing. Maple Tree Logistics down by about half a percent once more to about $1.71 per unit. So this is the CFO of the, of the manager of the REIT of Maple Tree Logistics. I, want, I just want to clarify that also. Ivan Lim is stepping down. And we don't know exactly why he's decided to do that. Maybe but a he lot decided of he needed more golf in his life. Maybe. or And it could also just be a, one of these year-end things where people tend to reflect and say, you know, I think I want to do something else in my life. And Mr. And Mr. Lim is entitled to that, of course. But uh, it does have unit holders scratching their heads also as to, well, what's going to go on? And are we going to find it? Are we going to see... Will this disrupt the continuity of business at the moment? And I, it's also odd to see somebody step away... Now that one of their major trusts is going to join the Straits Times Index or the or the benchmark for Singaporean stocks and REITs at the moment, I just find the the timing a little bit odd. Actually. Again, if somebody knows why, give us a ring. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many questions and so few answers. I, I, I will go poke some bears over at the Business Times later. Please on. do. <laughs> now you you flagged a story for me about Berlin. Now usually the the German property market, particularly in Berlin, isn't something that we pay that much attention to. Mm-hmm. But but now suddenly we're paying attention to it. Why? Well, you- I'm paying very close attention. I think this is also very interesting for for a place like Singapore. Now, the other day we talked about there being a property glut here, right? Mm-hmm. And how that is worrying some of the home builders. They want a relaxation of the cooling measures, the rules. Well, Berlin's facing something different. For the last 10 years since I graduated from business school, Berlin has been one of those it cities in Europe. And uh and rents were actually very good compared mm-hmm. to some of the major metropolises in the European region. And because of that, we saw steep rent increases. A lot of folks wanting to, to move to Berlin, from artists to bankers to business folk and, and just general young people with a it's young a very, energy. Very it's a very vibrant, vibrant city. city yes. yeah. And we've seen rent increases just go so steep. So Berlin has actually stepped in and said, you know, this is actually starting to be a problem for local Berliners. And we are going to introduce a rent freeze for about five years to help some of the tenants just cope with the sudden escalation of rent increases. Well, guess who's not happy? The well, landlords and the construction and and the construction industry. And right now there is they are mobilizing a strike or a protest out in the city in the middle mm-hmm. of Berlin. They're converging on Berlin's Brandenburg Gate. Three con- convoys of construction lorries along with landlord representatives are going to Berlin and they're actually planning to protest the decision to freeze rents for about 5 years. Now, I want to uh, disclose also that I do have a slight bias because as somebody who rents in Singapore, I'm, I do have a soft spot for the renters and say, woohoo, five years rent freeze, right? But that aside, there are some very interesting implications here because on one hand, you are creating, you are trying to make an effort to address housing prices and the cost of living for, for tenants and citizens. But at the same time, this could have a knock-on effect. On one hand, this could mean jobs in the construction sector to renovate houses, to renovate uh, apartments also that are funded by rents. And mm-hmm. if you suddenly put a freeze on this and actually cap the ability of landlords to earn more money or to see more income, uh, income, well, you might see people drop off and not invest as much in property. This could have a knock-on effect on fewer jobs for construction crews. And one of the arguments by economists in Germany is that the only way you can really address this is you have to create more housing. And I find this very fascinating, especially for cities with a relatively high, you know, that are seen as relatively expensive cities or places to to rent. Yeah, Berlin's Kong, not Singapore, cheap. Singapore, yeah. Berlin's not cheap. Singapore, Hong Kong for one. 
but it also goes to show that simply lowering rates or capping rents at the moment, it's not exact. It's not the easiest answer either, because there are other industries that and other sectors that could get affected by that. So just to show you guys that that housing is a policy in a housing is a policy in a city or in a country, it's never easy. It's never. It is simple. a terrible balance. It's a you know mm-hmm. it's, it's a difficult balance. It's one that is just if you are involved in making policy or thinking about policy that involves housing, you have a lot of sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what this does for the overall property sector, because we know property is also one way by which many citizens generate wealth. Mm -hmm. And if you do cap rents, I don't know what kind of distortions that sends to property prices. I don't know what kind of impact that does for future income for people who who derive income as landlords also. Again, that balancing act, very, very tricky also. It is very, very tricky. Mind you, if you've ever lived Can't in New I'm York... Can't believe I'm empathizing with a landlord, but yes, I am. <laughs> Just not yours. Yes. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, if you've ever lived in New York, you know all about rent control. I have lived in New York for a while. Uh, yeah, and rent control is something that, as a tenant, you really want to lock yourself into. Mm-hmm. Rent control is, is something that you actually look for also. Because on the flip side, too, I mean, as anyone who's been a tenant in a major city, New York, San Francisco, Singapore, mm. Hong Kong... Rent escalations, you know, it's something you dread every time your lease is up. Sure. If your wages don't catch up with it, with the, with the escalation of rents, it does cause a couple of headaches. And mind you, even more so if you're renting and you have a family mm-hmm. and you want to make sure that your kids are in within striking distance of their schools, sure. hospitals, you want a proper place. Maybe, you're, maybe your family just really likes living in that place. But then if the rent suddenly doubles, well, what do you do? What do you do? So there's, you know, there's, there's, there's that side of the coin, the other side of the coin as well. If we, if we, is it as simple as just freezing rents? Well, Five years seems like a really long time. It does though. seem like a really long time. I and, can understand uh, freezing rents for 18 months and then reviewing it. Yes. But five years. Five years is very, very, it seems very, it seems rather drastic or mm-hmm. on the verge of being drastic also. And I also understand the concerns or the clamors of some of these construction crews. Well, what are we going to work on in five years? If, if, what, and what are they going to pay us to do in order, of, in, in terms of renovations, mm-hmm. in terms of... Uh, preserving the upkeeps of some of these apartments if rents don't go up. And the government is saying, well, or economists are saying, well, the only way you can do this is you have to create more supply out there. But is it, again, is it that simple? Will rents actually ease off if they're, if the supply, if we increase supply just like that? It, not, nothing's ever smooth in, in this particular like market. Like I said, the, anyone involved in policy over housing loses a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. We feel your pain. <laughs> we, we feel you. We really do. Um, this is definitely a story worth watching and seeing how it develops. And if whoever made that decision backpedals on it a little bit, mm, five years or, seems really high. It does seem high. But it, I think it will also be an interesting exercise to see if the Berlin government or the city government is able to address this. Mm-hmm properly and is able to find a compromise of some sort. It could also be a lesson for policymakers in the future. What are also the ways to walk back a policy that could be a bit too draconian? Because mm-hmm. every so often we do these. We do come in heavy-handed. It doesn't just happen in, in, in government, right? It happens at work as well. Sometimes we come in a bit too draconian with some policies. Then we have to figure out a way to sort of walk, Gracefully it, back walk it back. Either walk it back or try to at least soften it and find a way to do it without uh, without losing too much face, without losing too, uh, without giving too much of a compromise. Hey, this is also a lesson for the negotiators between Washington and Beijing. I, I, would rather, <laughs> really? I would rather the graceful walk back than the double down, which yes. I've also experienced yes. in my work life. Exactly. But how you do these things, I mean, if the Berlin government is, can prove to be flexible and mm. can prove to find, an, a, find a happy medium that will satisfy all these sectors, well, that's going to be 
that, that could be a lesson for many policymakers, not just in that city, but for us as well, mm-hmm. for cities across Asia that are seen as high, as, 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 high, as uh, expensive cities in terms of cost of living and where housing becomes is a perennial challenge. You know, you just gave tenants all across Singapore something to dream about tonight. Mm, yes, I did. And uh, a rent freeze for five years. But I do. But I will. But I will be fair. <laughs> but I will be fair and say, remember, this has a knock on effect also, because we're not the only ones. You're not the only ones. You're not operating in a vacuum, basically. This could affect other sectors, other jobs, and could have a have a have a have a more widespread effect down the road. So, oh, let them have their good dreams tonight. It's not happening from the market. But we're journalists, so we have to caveat everything and make (laughs) sure the story is fair. That is true. Now, hopefully, there's more movement and a little bit more interesting movement on the market in the next few hours. Whether or not that is the case, JP Ong will have his eyes on it when he comes back for prime time. This has been Market View on Money FM 89.3 with JP Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.